Welcome back to the podcast. I am D, and this is the Sussex set. Y'all, Megan and Harry are free. Who ever thought this day would come this soon? To be honest, not me. But look at us. Look at us. They're out of there. And let me tell you, to be on this side of that departure, it feels so good. Doesn't it? And I'm not even experiencing what they're experiencing. And just to know that they can finally freaking breathe and they don't care about anybody's feelings and opinions or criticisms about what they're doing at this point, because none of it matters. Truthfully, it never did matter, but it really doesn't matter now. On this side of that exit, girl, it don't matter. And to give a shout out, and I'm going to put this in the beginning of the podcast instead of at the end, this is something that every single one of Megan's fans, Megan and Harry's, of course, but who have been there from the beginning, who have noticed from the beginning, who have called people out from the beginning. I don't really have a way of knowing or confirming, but it is my belief that without the Sussex squad, the collective squad, wherever you may be, without this group of primarily women, of course, guys out there, we see you, of course, but without that strong voice, which has been a largely unified voice in calling out the completely biased and hateful coverage of Megan from the beginning, really from before she became a royal. If it hadn't been for that and that growing over time, I don't really believe that would have created the momentum where the world began to notice. And I'm talking about people on a wide scale. And to that end, I don't know that Harry and Meghan may have felt the courage to leave this early. Now, I believe Harry always wanted to leave. I'm going to get into that too. But in referencing his support or the support that they've received that they have noticed since the beginning, going on three years or three years really at this point, they haven't been married even two years yet. But noticing that support, acknowledging that support at every step of the way, and feeling confident that that support will translate outside of the royal bubble. Honestly, you guys, if it had not been for the Sussex squad, we might not really be having this conversation on this podcast today. Of course, again, I'm not taking credit for those people deciding to do what's best for them and their family. But again, the support has been acknowledged along the way. And so I just got to give a shout out to each and every one of you collectively. It's something that is quite remarkable in hindsight. I know in the thick of it, a lot of the things are just so maddening. And when you're in the thick of checking a reporter or calling out a tabloid for an outrageous story or checking a hater or an unfair critic, you don't know the ultimate positive effect that your actions may have as an individual. But now we can kind of see that. Again, not to take full credit, of course, we take a very small portion of it. That being said, I think collectively we were able to show that they had some strong supporters and that wasn't going to die. It didn't diminish. In fact, it grew exponentially. So much so that Sussex Squad content is regularly being co-opted and or just straight up stolen, girl. Ideas and things like that, things of that nature. Of course, 
It's not like it's a big deal. Although, you know, a little credit is nice sometimes, but so much so that the things that started with the group that from day one, from before day one that said, look, I'm going to support them as long as they're committed to doing good works in the world, which we see that they are. We've literally influenced global conversations about Harry and Meghan. We've influenced that. I'm claiming that. And not just because I have a podcast. I'm only one person. I'm only one voice. Collectively, each and every person that brought receipts, each person that was bold enough to check someone on their nonsense, the perpetuation of lies that we saw day after day. Of course, people that have podcasts, Tina, Michelle, the ladies of A Duchess Like Us, and my Duke and I, we miss y'all, by the way, but Meganpedia, Duchess Forums, everybody, every single person, I don't care if you don't have but three followers on Twitter. It's just amazing to see what can be done when many voices become one. Unified we were, unified we are. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I think Harry and Meghan really appreciate that, especially given the darkness they just walked through and out of, by the way. So shout out to the Sussex Squad. Need I remind you it's still the beginning of 2020? Can you imagine what the rest of 2020 is going to look like? But we get to enjoy it. We get to enjoy it. Because to me, at this point, what royal reporters say, what critics say, what trolls say about Harry and Meghan or the squad or anyone who supports them, it's always been irrelevant. But now it's just laughable. And not just to us, because it's been laughable to us for a long time. It's laughable to everybody. So enjoy the peace and quiet. I'm so glad that Harry and Meghan can enjoy their lives in peace and build what they plan to build in peace without having to constantly fight for their dignity. Because if you really want to know, that's what the whole movement against Harry and Meghan is about. From the time Harry released a statement when he was still living at Kensington Palace, when he was still dating Meghan, to now. All of the voices against Meghan, and then they became voices against Harry and Meghan when they realized that they were actually a unified front, girl. Those voices, and they're still there. Their primary goal has been to strip Harry and Meghan of their dignity. From the tabloids and even legitimate news outlets making her out to be some either an angry black woman who made Kate cry and some caricature who threatened to knife Kate on a BBC special to someone who's just almost straight out of Compton, trying to make Megan out to be anything other than what we can all see she is, which is a graceful, dignified human being. Calling her Hurricane Megan. I believe Carol Middleton came up with that name. Not going to go into it. Google's there for you. But somehow that made it into the tabloids, and that was a big story. Demanding things from her staff at five in the morning to her and Harry supposedly storming up to the queen and complaining about a tiara before her wedding. It never stopped. Even up through this final transition where tabloids were making up lies about Megan kissing a 16-year-old boy. Literally from beginning to the very end. And even afterward, 
because I saw something going around saying that the royal reporters after the Commonwealth service on Monday were complaining about Harry and Meghan leaving. They've been knowing that they were leaving for two months, but somehow blaming it on Meghan and saying that when she came along, things just changed. So it never stopped. And that's why in my most recent podcast episode, I made that prediction about the fact that her most vocal critics during the time that she was a senior royal, they would absolutely go nuts. And they did. Am I right or am I right? Because we saw some of the most vile things reserved for Meghan and Harry during this transition, especially given that Harry and Meghan look so strong. We knew they would combust. And it's really just funny because like now it's not literally funny, but it kind of is because it signifies more about you to the average person than it does about Harry and Meghan. You just look like the blowhard you are, and you're the only one who doesn't realize it. You and the other trolls like you. That's what makes it funny to me. But they come busted. Now, I am not glad that happened. I just predicted that it would, because it's almost like it was inevitable. Because during these three days, you get to witness your prince, the favorite of the royal family. We can say behind the queen because the queen is the monarch, sure. But honey, they love Harry. And I'm not even going to lump all of England in with the haters, but they absolutely love Harry. Even the critics. Because like I said, they left him before Meghan came along. Then he fell in love with a biracial woman. And now all of a sudden he's the devil too. Because we knew they were going to vilify Meghan, but they started vilifying him too. So now the two of them together, oh no, they got to go. Well, now they're leaving. And you see them actually walking out and you can't look away, girl, because you're obsessed, but you're angry and you're resentful. You're mad. You're mad because there is absolutely nothing. And here's your evidence now. This farewell tour as what it's been dubbed here lately. This is your evidence that there is nothing you can do to stop Harry Windsor from loving his wife and choosing this non-white woman over this institution that you hold dear. Did you ever stop to question whether or not Harry held it dear? I'm sure he respects the monarchy. I'm sure he respects the monarch, even at times when often neither of those things deserve respect. But Harry's a very family-oriented person who's a member of a family that is an institution. It's a cold institution. So he was a fish out of water regardless. But why I respect Harry so much is even before he met Meghan, he made the best out of it. And that's why he was the most popular. And so now your beloved prince has basically said, go ahead and kiss my ass because that's what you can do today. Oh, here go my wife's ass too. You can kiss that too. Because we're done. This is not for us. And so we saw probably what I'm going to consider the most outrageous example of this, of these people essentially losing their minds, was Victoria Mather going on MSNBC, which surprises the heck out of me. I mean, I don't know who she is, to be honest, but I just don't get why she was on an American news outlet. But that being said, I guess everybody's chasing a Meghan and Harry story, right? 
But everybody knows what she said at this point, calling her, quote, five clicks up from trailer trash and and being bold with it, too. Wow. I mean, that even that surprised me. And while it did anger me for a good bit, I'd say a good hour, you know, not that I was sitting and seething, but I, you know, I I just couldn't get away from the video for one. But I had to stop myself and say, well, you know, she does sound pretty ridiculous. And in fact, the reaction to that comment in that video was so swift and so widespread. Boy, did life happen fast to her after that. But still, I had to remind myself that, you know, this woman sounds so desperate. She's so angry. Now, she didn't sound super loud and mad, but like you can feel her seething about the fact that the woman that she doesn't like, Megan, has Prince Harry and they're leaving together. They are getting their fairy tale ending, their modern day fairy tale ending, at least to their royal story. And people like Victoria Mather are mad about that. To me, she represented the ultimate bitter Betty. Good job, Vanity Fair. Give that job to somebody who actually deserves it because she's not one of them. But there's some other bitter Bettys out there, too. Chris Ship is one of them. He's a bitter Betty. What's the boy name? Palm Olive. What is his freaking name? Richard? Robert? Richard? Palmer? I mean, he is so tight about things. He's the one that tweeted the story, originated the tweet that circulated the idea that Harry kissed a 16-year-old boy when he walked up on the stage. Like, just a blatant lie. That, to me, is another example of the critics exploding, finally letting out the nastiest version of their criticisms toward them, whether it comes in the form of a story or whether it comes in the form of faux outrage, especially under the link that Paul Maolive tweeted about this kiss to a 16-year-old boy that didn't happen. These people are talking about, oh, my God, she's so inappropriate. That's disgusting. Basically making her out to be some kind of a predator. And then the video was released. And of course, he better had deleted that tweet. But see, by then the damage was done because even days later, when I went to different outlets, the story was still there that Megan had kissed the boy or the boy had kissed Megan on the cheek. Even though there was a video on Sussex Royal. And I don't know if y'all noticed this. But after Palm Olive tweeted that story, the one that tweet that he ultimately deleted, Harry and Meghan on Sussex Royal at Instagram.com, they tweeted the video from the angle that basically disproved the story that Palm Olive had tweeted before. So in their classy way, which they often do, they had to address the lie that was told on her. Anything to rain on their parade. Anything to rain on this transition that the literal world is watching. You know, there are people who don't even know that Megan's first name isn't even Megan watching this. And Sussex Royal had to address this lie, this blatant lie. So what I said was, if they're going to lie about something like this that is so easily disproven, what else are they going to lie about? The answer is everything. Every possible thing that they could. And the tabloids have remained unchecked for so long that they can get away with it. That is their standard. That's how they operate. And it's only with the advent of social media that they've ever had to even answer to it, even in the slightest bit. But the fact that Megan had to address it on Sussex Royal, that ticked me off a little bit. But then again, 
it also made me glad because they were the ones who actually got to disprove the lie. And then the video of the actual handshake started to circulate from there. But I mean, they were really in the throes, the last dying throes of desperation to try to reign on this transition out of the royal family, which was marvelous, by the way. Can we just talk about Megan for just a few seconds, minutes, really? Did she kill it or did she murder it? Like, did she murk it or did she slay? Because I believe the answer is all of the above. So there were so many messages Sis conveyed in these three days we got to see her. Four days, maybe. I don't even know. But so many messages, and I'm probably drawing my own conclusions to an extent, but let's talk about the color. You know what I kept thinking about whenever I saw the next day it was another bright color? Megan didn't wear muted colors. If you notice throughout her time as a royal, she would throw in like the same blue that she wore, the Victoria Beckham dress here and there. And she wore some bright colors in Fiji on the, you know, Oceana tour. And she would throw a few bright colors here and there. But generally, her style is muted in terms of the hues that she wears. She likes a lot of neutrals, blacks and whites and tans and just classic looks, at least in terms of what she wore as a senior royal to the various engagements. But Sis came up and through London with a whole blueprint, like Beyonce-level blueprint. The vision, the coordination. You got to coordinate. The fact that she wore three bold, highly saturated colors, back to back to back. You know what I kept thinking about? All of the people who criticized her for wearing black so often and, oh, well, she never wears colors. Why is she always wearing black? They're not in mourning. Well, now you are because a lot of y'all hoes is dead. But I think that may have been one of the messages. Another one of the messages that could have been in play was the fact that she said, you going to see me. I'm going to make sure you see me. I know all eyes are going to be on me, but I'm going to make sure they are. Oh, you say I'm an attention seeker? Well, watch this. Like, no, literally, watch me. Watch me do this, because I'm going to give you something to talk about. And did you notice that at each one of those major engagements, the Endeavor Fund Awards, the concert at Royal Albert Hall, the Commonwealth, I guess that was a concert, some kind of a ceremony, girl. Among the people that were in and around her, she was the brightest one because she was wearing all of this color, a block of color each and every time. I love the photo where it's Megan sitting next to Harry at the Endeavor Fund Awards, but everybody on the front row is wearing a dark suit and she's there in that blue dress. The girl knows how to stand out. She stands out regardless because she's just a top-tier type of person. But again, I feel like Megan made sure she stood out in every possible way because you gonna remember this, and she doesn't have to say a word. This is why, in my podcast, you hear that phrase, I'm a bad bitch, you can't kill me? Because I swear to God, that's her mentality. Dynamic women cannot be suppressed. They can't be silenced. They cannot be put away. As much as they tried to put Megan away, 
I tried to put her in a place as a duchess. You couldn't do it. You're definitely not going to be able to do it now. In the red, she was supporting Harry, coordinating with him and his uniform. That was amazing. And she stood out where she was sitting on the balcony there in that amazing red dress with the cape. And of course, at the Commonwealth ceremony, everybody's looking at her because everybody realizes this is the last time that they're going to see her in that capacity. And green everywhere. Now, for a lot of people that don't know, Megan's favorite color is green. That much I do know. And I saw a tweet that said Megan's, you know, it had a picture of the engagement interview with Harry and Megan and a picture of Harry and Megan walking out of the church or into the church, one of them. But, you know, Megan and her cape and whatnot. But she was wearing green in both of those pictures. That's her favorite color. Wouldn't it be nice if she wore green, not only because it's her favorite color, because I told y'all, Megan and Harry, I think Harry is the petty king, but I think Megan, she's petty in her own way. But wouldn't it be great if she wore green just to say, here you envious hoes go, look at me, it's your color, because y'all going to be green with envy for the rest of your lives. And again, she was the brightest one in the group that she was sitting in in the church. You know what I mean? And the cape, the cape. After International Women's Day, when we're celebrating women being powerful and outspoken and courageous and supportive of other women, she wears a superwoman cape. Because <laughs> that's what I'm calling it. I don't care if it was asymmetrical. Sis wore a cape. I would like to think that was deliberate, but oh, man. And the coordination with Harry and his suits. And I mean, I thought that was so beautiful because it's really one of the subtle ways. Some people say it's not subtle, especially like the green lining. But my God, that was baller. It's one of the ways that they showed without saying a word because they've said all the words that they're going to say up until this point. And they've been very vocal about their support for one another, especially Harry. But this was a visual representation of their support and their love for one another. And even visually, they are a unified front. Honey, Harry got some swagger. Harry got some swagger, man. And that's part of what makes him so stylish in those photos with Megan, too. So, I mean, I really just, I lived through that. And I knew she was going to bring it. Like, I knew she was going to bring it in a way that we had not seen before. And I'm so glad she did. I'm so glad she did. And the ironic thing about the green outfit in particular, and right now I just want to be messy for a little bit because, you know, what's a podcast episode without me being petty. But like before the transition and before Harry and Meghan had their first engagements, you know, this last round of engagements at CM Royals, just even weeks before royal reporters were talking about, well, sources say that People in the royal family are so agitated with Harry and Meghan that they're going to come over here and do their farewell tour. They weren't calling it that then, but they're going to do their last engagements. And that's going to take attention away from the royal visit of the Cambridges in Ireland. And of course, we saw pictures of that. You just can't escape it if you're any type of royal watcher. When somebody goes on a tour, you see the photos. But Kate steps out of the plane in this god-awful vomit dress. The coat was nice, but the dress was hideous, man. I don't know whether her stylist hates her or not, 
but it's plausible at this point. Or maybe she fired the stylist. I don't know. But the dress was, it was terrible. And I was disappointed in Kate for that dress. But whatever. It was green. That's my whole point. And it felt like Megan, I don't think that this was her intention at all. But it's not very often that you see somebody in a green dress. I get why Kate at least wore something green in Ireland because, you know, Ireland, girl, it's corny. But yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and give you a pass. But couldn't you at least make it stylish, though? Or couldn't the coat just had been enough? So I was a little bit disappointed with that. But it's not often you see somebody in a green dress. But the fact that Megan can rock a green dress and a green hat and a dress with a green cape and it's all the same shade of green. Green! Not even forest green, girl. We're talking about straight up green. Timothy Frog! Green. And the world just spazzes out mere days after completely just being dumbfounded at the last green dress <laughs> that we had all witnessed. I mean, I don't think she was trying to, quote unquote, show Kate how to wear green or anybody how to wear green, but she showed that it could be done and done beautifully. I really love that aspect of it because that in and of itself is a perfect example of the difference between the Sussexes and the Cambridges. One pair, they think ahead, they plan, they test things out. They have a sense of knowing how to create a moment for other people. And the other just does what's mediocre, knowing they're going to be paid for it no matter what. And so they just kind of do the bare minimum to be. That's just the difference between them, among other differences. But I just really wish people would stop respecting that. And who knows, maybe they will since they don't have anybody to bash anymore in that royal family context. But I thought Megan, she was stunning in every possible way. I know I'm fangirling a little bit, but it was obvious that she didn't come to play. And we loved seeing that strength in her and fight in her that we knew was always there. But I just love the way everybody championed her at the way she just flexed on her way out. It's what the queen deserves, to be honest. And she was so classy and dignified up until the very end, including when William and Kate took their seats and didn't say a word. William did say something, you know, a little brief curt type greeting. Definitely very weird, given that Harriet and Meghan were smiling at them both. Because, girl, they didn't deserve it. But, of course, Harry and Meghan know that people are watching. And I think they, they have class enough to at least smile. You know what I mean? But the fact that Harry and Meghan show class in everything that they do, William and Kate do not. But the opposite has been said about each couple. And yet at the last major moment, right? The last time we'll probably see the four of them pictured together, especially sitting so near one another. The fact that it was so obviously icy, that proves, I mean, we've been new, but that kind of proves to the average person that some shit went down. Like some stuff really went down, really went down. Now, I don't know this, but I don't believe Harry actually saw William. You know, remember, William was in Ireland. They not on the same page. And if you can't get on Harry and Meghan's page, 
knowing what they've gone through. Girl, what does this say about you? But Kate gonna sit her ass down and not even say a word. And again, that was one of the things that made me a little mad, even though I know it's the ghetto, even though I know that they don't really have home training. Diana tribal will. Unfortunately, her lessons were lost on that fool. But the fact that you can't even acknowledge someone when they're clearly not putting up a hostile front in that moment to you, you got to be nasty. But it turns out jokes on you because everybody got to see how unhappy you are. And girl, get comfortable and strap in because it's going to be another 30 years for you before you finally get that little crown on your head, whatever it is, whatever the consort wears. For you, Will, if you got any hair left, it's going to be another 30 years before you get your crown. We're assuming, right? So y'all better get used to each other because we assure you, Harry and Meghan are not your issue. That's not the biggest issue that you should be worrying about right now. Maybe worry about all these new engagements you're going to have to go on and the rounds of handshaking and, I guess, whatever they're doing these days in the coronavirus era. Whatever, girl. Worry about your surveys and worry about all these speeches that people write for you and trying to go off script once in a while. Maybe worry about trying to keep the monarchy relevant at all. And can I just say this? Start with fixing your marriage and being better people in general. I mean, it's a start. Now you don't have to worry about the Sussexes on your neck every time you look around. You don't have to worry about people showing up to their engagements and cheering them. You don't have to worry about Harry and Meghan being senior royals that are more popular than you. Now you just got to worry about yourself. And the irony of that is pretty soon you're going to look around and realize you won't have anybody to blame but yourself for your own failures. The British press, tabloid press specifically, they helped you distract you from yourselves. But now you got to look in the mirror because it's all on you, boo. It's all about you. You got your spotlight. You got it back. And because I know y'all listening to this, somebody over there listening, I just want to say you deserve every burden that comes with the expectation of carrying the whole monarchy on your back. You deserve the boredom that comes with it. You deserve the scrutiny, which you may or may not get. You certainly won't get it at the level that Harry and Meghan has gotten it. But you're going to get it eventually, girl. You don't have to worry about your brother and sister-in-law anymore. They're gone. They're not even in your country anymore. You got the whole country to yourself. And now that the popular ones are gone, the pecking order has been restored, right? So enjoy it, Prince William and Duchess Kate. Enjoy it. It's yours. But just know that for those few short years that Harry and Meghan were right there and everybody got to see what modern English royalty should look like versus what it actually is, just know that the majority of you have been exposed as frauds. So enjoy your tiny little world in your gold-plated ghetto and enjoy being figurines for the tabloid press because they're about to have some fun with you. Be best and God bless. But seriously, though, the royal family is so stupid to lose Harry and Meghan. Like, I woke up this morning thinking about the fact that Harry and Meghan, for some reason, it just blew my mind. They haven't even been married two years. Not even two years. So you're telling me it took less than two years to run 
the Duchess of Sussex out of England? Whether they knew Harry was going to go with her is irrelevant. But it took less than two years to get Meghan out of the royal family, which, again, we're all very glad about. She's still in the family, quote unquote. But girl, again, did you notice that icy interaction? It was almost cringy to see Edward making small talk because you knew he was just trying to keep it light because there was tension. You could feel the tension through any video that you watched, right? So she, I don't believe Megan has ever really felt like a part of the family. And she said herself, not very many people have asked me if I'm okay. There's nobody else she could be talking about except for the people that have access to her, which is the royal family. But anyway, the fact that it only took two years to essentially remove this woman from this very popular woman at that, right, from their midst, of course, she wants to go as well. But with this highly coordinated effort, I will believe until the day I die that William, or at the very least, people who work under William. But, you know, I'm going to go ahead and say the Cambridges don't like the fact that the Sussexes are far more popular than them in their own country when they're the future king and queen. They don't like that. Charles and Camilla don't care because they're first in line and they're kind of too old for that. Really? Everybody is, but it ain't Harry and Meghan's fault people like them. But it was a highly coordinated effort, an ongoing effort, and they got them out. That's mind-blowing to me. I don't think history is going to be very kind to those who were involved. And we will know what happened. At some point, somebody going to say something. Everybody's just trying to keep it classy right now. It's really just mind-blowing and it's sad because you think back to the royal wedding. You think back to how in love Harry and Meghan were and still are, but on their wedding day, the way that people were so inspired to just root for them. And it was almost like the world just came together for a moment to wish Harry well. Everybody remembers him being a 12-year-old boy grieving, having to grieve in public, but not even being able to cry. As the story goes, he was told that he couldn't cry. He couldn't show tears out in the public. All these thousands of people out here sobbing, which even for me as a kid, witnessing that and the outpouring of grief after Diana died, even I knew that wasn't very characteristic of British people. And I didn't know anything about England back then. But for this kid to be plopped right in the middle of a nation's tears and to be told that he couldn't cry for his mother, his best friend, like it's cruel. But everybody remembers Harry. People rooted for Harry. People still root for Harry, of course. But when he got married, I felt like people really breathed a sigh of relief for him to say, oh, he's going to be all right, man. He found his person. And it was obvious that he found his person. We were all cheering for them. We were all happy. And to see where it's ended up less than two years later, I mean, it's really just mind boggling, girl, because. I still wouldn't have predicted it that it would be this soon. I felt like they would leave eventually. But realistically, I thought maybe five, ten, maybe five years, but more like 10 years down the road. Again, very glad that they left at this point. But it kind of shows you how brutal it must have been for them behind the scenes. And when they made the announcement that they were leaving, a lot of people found a clip of Harry saying that I think in 2017, 
just talking about sometimes the pressure of being royal and that what that life entails and just wanting to live a normal life. I'm ecstatic that he gets to do that because he's going to be all right. Harry's going to be all right. Meghan's going to be all right. But to know that racism being a central part of this entire narrative, at its core, we're talking about racism of the royal family toward this woman because they refused to protect her. Now, I don't know if it's because she was half black or because she was more popular than everybody or a combination of those things. We know that racism by the press That was obvious at every turn, at every turn, whether they're calling this girl's newborn son a chimpanzee, calling her ghetto, again, calling her angry and a diva. But to see it snowball the way it did and to become this monster that could have some kind of even a small amount of influence on this couple that's trying to do so much good in their role. Again, they were going to transition out of that eventually at some point because I just can't see them working for free for that long. Because why? <laughs> I mean, that I mean, it just don't make no sense to me, but it really doesn't. Maybe that's just me being an American, but who's going to work for free for fucking ever? Girl, bye. They always wanted to have an impact, but I still contend that if they had felt protected, if they felt welcome, if they felt love, if, you know, if they felt the union was welcome in the royal family, and the press wasn't so vile, they would have put up with it because they still, as a senior royal, as a royal, you have a lot of influence. And to do the good that they want to do, using the royal family and the monarchy as a vehicle, being the president and vice president of the Queen's Commonwealth Trust, which they still are, but being able to do work, good work, and not have to fight every time you came home, they probably could have managed for a little while longer. But boy, am I glad that they finally get to get on with the game plan that's going to build their legacy, because this is what we're talking about here, is legacy. Their legacy is going to be written by them. It's not going to be written by somebody in a line who gets to wear a crown because they were born on a certain date to a certain pair of people. What's the value in that? There's really no value in it, because your legacy, a very large part of your legacy, was written for you before you were even born. You have very little control. And even when Harry was a little boy, he would tell Will, I get to do what I want to do. You can't do that. And I think that's what we see the sour looks on Will and Kate's face. I think that's what that's about at the at the core of it, because at the end of the day, Harry's still doing what Harry wants to do only on a global level now. So the little brother has become King Dingling in the world. And he's doing what he wants to do. And he's more popular for it. He's still more popular than you. And now he's more beloved, objectively more beloved than you. And everybody loves Megan, girl. So, I mean, not that it's a contest, but you couldn't tell it wasn't a contest looking at Will and Kate and the way that they interacted with the Sussexes, which was so classless. Ultimately, when it's all said and done, I'm just so proud of Harry. Harry has always been different. He's always been the standout in the family, just because he seemed a little bit more approachable by the average person. And ultimately, he's just a man doing what he has to do to protect his family. And I think seeing the institution trying to consume his wife and his young family like they consumed his mother or tried to consume his mother, 
That was his cue to leave it all behind, like for real. No longer wondering what it would be like. Actually doing it with your partner at your side. And honestly, like I kind of get emotional about Harry because he found the person that gave him the courage to step fully outside of the royal bubble. And quite honestly, I think that's a hard thing to do for even the lesser royals. I think so many of them would rather trade in their souls and die slowly than to fend for themselves out in the real world. But Harry was also motivated by the love of his own family. And I think that's what people connect to the most and seeing his desire to protect them, as well as his own desire to have a voice in the world. And so to some degree, he's always operated differently. And being the spare, he's had the freedom to be himself because to some degree, expectations were low for Harry all the way through his childhood. The press even mistreated him when he was a kid. So I guess historically, the family has treated spares terribly. But first of all, starting with the fact that the term spare is applied to the second in line or anyone who comes after the firstborn, I mean, that's a terrible way to ask a child to view themselves. But despite the low expectations, he rose as the favorite of the whole family, in large part due to the values that Diana placed in him for the 12 years he had his mother. And you better believe Harry carries those same values today. And the idea of just being yourself, that's an act of of bravery. And to me, I think his bravery and his self-belief, they are nothing new. We're only just seeing new shades of those things. And again, at the core, he's just primarily motivated as the protector of his own family to keep them out of harm's way. That's what any man would want to do. That man is a king. And I think that's become evident to everybody. Harry is a straight-up G, if you really want to know. He's the king Meghan deserves, and the king is taking his queen, and they're going home, because he ain't fucking with y'all no more. He really doesn't, and nothing says that more than the fact that he didn't even bring his son to England to finish out his duties as a senior royal. Harry and Meghan said, this is business. Think about that. The fact that they don't even want to bring their son. I know there's a lot going on with the coronavirus and all of that, but they flew. You know what I mean? I know kids have weaker immune systems and I know not very many people flying right now and it's tough. But at the same time, if they wanted to, they could charter a private jet. That's not a problem for them. So if they really wanted to bring Archie, they could. The fact that they don't want him anywhere near these toxic people. that says. Everything I need to know. Everything. And not only that, but the fact that the queen asked them to and they still didn't bring their son. This is business. This is a job, sis. This is not my life. Harry really ain't messing with these folks no more. Did you see the look on his face when he was around him? So he said, my son doesn't know y'all. He doesn't want to know y'all. He's not going to know y'all. You know, I'm just kind of wistful thinking, but I can't speak for him. But the fact that he didn't bring his son, to me, that said everything I needed to know. And of course, we know they don't want the press profiting off of their son. It sends a clear message that they don't intend to bring Archie and his future sibling up in this toxic environment. Archie's not going to have a spare mentality. 
And he's definitely not going to be a profit horse for the same thugs that tried to kill him before he was even born. I will always believe that. Maybe not deliberately, but they certainly didn't care about his health when Megan was pregnant with him. No, you don't actually deserve to even lay eyes on my baby. You don't. So as for the queen, you know, well, she's old, but has she done more to actually protect her grandson and granddaughter-in-law? Maybe she would have Archie in England right now. You get no sympathy from me. Well done, Harry and Meghan. Masterstroke. I don't think it could have gone any better. I think the support that people just poured on them, that spoke volumes to me as well with the state of things and the complete lack of regard that regular folks have for the monarchy and the fact that that is growing. And really, it only deserves to grow because people like Harry and Meghan shouldn't be shunned. People like Harry and Meghan are an asset and they eagerly offered themselves up to be used by the royal family as assets, as ambassadors, as voices that can effectively speak to the Commonwealth, which is critical for the success of the monarchy. And the royal family flushed that down the toilet. Whatever comes next for them, I'm sure they deserve it. I'm so glad that Harry and Meghan have removed themselves from that picture and are building something that will last and are demanding to stand on their own hard work. I'm so happy for them, and they deserve all the good that's going to come their way. It's inevitable. So well done, Harry and Meghan. And what that's all I got for today. Make sure you look out for more content on YouTube, just some shorter form videos. Make sure you check in on the Instagram, and I'm talking about Sussex Royals because, again, they're unofficially liberated because they don't have to do any of that senior royal stuff over in England anymore. But officially, March 31st, it's Liberation Day. So make sure, because, I mean, I really just can't wait to see what their new name is. We've already noticed that on their captions, it's no longer copyright Sussex Royal. It's copyright the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. And I love it. Or Harry and Meghan, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. So I can't wait. You know, because that's going to be the official start of the global takeover. Like, for real, I'm a fan. I'm a stan. So what? I don't care. That could be cringe for you. But I'm calling it what I think it's going to be. It's going to be a global takeover. They're going to be global players, but in a way that's more respectable because it's something they earned and they created. I can't wait to see what the name is going to be. The website name is going to change. Make sure you check out their website, though, just for any updates, because they tend to post on their own platforms, which we love. And it's going to be lit. May's right around the corner. I've heard Archie's trying to walk and he will be walking by May. Most one-year-olds do walk. So we'll be seeing him, hopefully, at the Invictus Games. Make sure you hit me up on Instagram, hit me up on Twitter. Shout out to Andy, my editor. Thank you so much for coming through short notice. And of course, to the set fam over at Patreon. Thank you for the continued support. And I have something very special for you guys coming very soon. So stay on the lookout for that. And so everyone, keep shining your light. And congratulations, girls, because we out of there. We did it. They did it.
So until next time, peace. Kill me. Kill me.